And I gain the self-limiting belief that I'm not spiritual. I'm not spiritual. And because how I had perceived spirituality at that point was religious. And I very much had no intention of ever engaging in a religious structure again. Hi, welcome to This Isn't Me. My name is Veronica Jane. Hello, welcome here to this shared space that we have. I'm so grateful that you've connected here again today, that you've brought everything that you are to this, that you're here letting me share what I know of my experiences, and that your willingness means you're beginning to share with me so that we can learn from each other's experiences. I trust that your life is lighting you up, that you're taking imperfect steps each day to creating the life that you desire, and that you're really just trusting you have faith in all that is in whatever this is, which leads me to today's self-limiting belief. Let's get into it. Okay. This one is something that's so new in my world in some ways, and yet not at all, (laughs) which I guess, depending on how you perceive time, that is irrelevant. I had a self-limiting belief based on some early childhood experiences. Oh, surprise, surprise. (laughs) So let me think about where it started. I guess the best way to play with this is, as I mentioned in previous episodes, I grew up in the church and the Christian faith. And I found a lot of beautiful value in that and a lot of uh, harm as well. And I've spoken to the story of leaving that faith to some extent. And yet, I think I need to go into it a little bit further to get clarity and explain where I'm at now. So my early childhood meant we went to church. We prayed before bed. We read the Bible. We benefited from some of the beautiful parables within that. My father was the leader in this way in my family. Um, I remember him having devotions with us and really guiding our spirituality. And whether he saw it as inside of that or alongside or outside of that, he really spent time guiding our character and teaching us things like integrity, saying, you know, whether someone's watching or not, your behavior when no one's watching really indicates who you truly are. And that was one of the biggest lessons I gained from my father is that we need to be who we say we are in all that we do. And that whoever we are when no one's watching is what integrity really comes down to. That's something I really aim for in my word and my thought um, in my alone time. And (laughs) I have not been integrous in many ways. And um, over time, the more I pull myself up on that, the more I um, realign and become the most integrous version of myself, the more love I have for myself. So that's another episode in the making. And there was a lot of beautiful lessons that came from, especially the sharings from the New Testament that my father shared. 
And yet there was a lot of guilt and shame and there was a lot of control in the way that Christianity has evolved. And my childhood being in the 90s and early 2000s, you know, the way that especially Western and North American people had interpreted the Christian faith and and used it, it wasn't so much about a faith anymore as it was about prescriptions for life and telling people how to live and how not to live. And I remember... Um, that just really feeling a little bit misaligned. And when my parents split up, I suppose there was probably a fracture of faith then. And my mother didn't mm, practice her faith the same way my father did. I don't remember her guiding a lot of our spiritual development. I remember her taking us to church and giving us a lot of choice in that as we got older, which I'm really grateful for. I remember her, you know, allowing and even encouraging prayer that her second partner wasn't um, of the Christian faith and within that religious structure. So I think that probably shifted some of that. When I was 15, all of my siblings moved away from living with my mother to living back with my father again. And what was interesting about that is then suddenly we have this injection of this belief system again. And it was through a conservative, what's called Mennonite beliefs, belief system or modern version of that. At, and we attended Christian school. And so I spoke previously about what that looked like in regards to my evolution as a young woman and the shame and guilt and blame that was put on the way I was being with my body, which was so natural and, and beautiful and loving. And that's just really not how it was framed. So I got up very disgruntled with that. I remember also just that message of like patriarchy and, and really toxic masculinity being enabled rather than the beautiful possibility of of partnership and um, allowing a leader in a relationship and how to use surrender in a really loving and guiding way. So a lot of those messages just didn't land with me and I, I became so frustrated with how I was seeing this being practiced. Um, a lot of the examples were so corrupt. I saw money being drawn in and wasted horrifically within these religious systems and I saw a lot of anxiety, uh, fear um, occur in my own life. I saw a lot of sadness and loneliness and, and anger and hate, even in those who claim to practice this message, which ultimately, I think if we look closer, is just about love. So when I was 18, I moved to Australia. And I remember buying a lot of books like Richard Dawkins and and books like that, that really were about science and about um educating oneself enough to understand the world without needing a deity to guide you. And I spent a lot of time that year. Was it that year? Mm, maybe it was a year after when I re-returned to Australia, but about 19. Um, at this point, still hold on to this faith. So I remember having journaling and going into prayer and saying, you know, God, or all that is, if you exist in this way, you'll show me. If this is where I'm meant to be, if this is how I'm meant to, if this is your word, these, this book, this Bible that I'm being shown, if if this is it, if this is the faith and this is correct and what my father's saying is Jesus must live in my heart and I must accept him and I must ask for forgiveness. You know, if that's the truth, then you'll show me. And I would pray and read and pray and read until eventually I... I stopped praying and I kept reading. And 
I realized the prayer no longer felt valid for me and that I'd, I'd left my faith, which something's coming up for me right now. As soon as I even say the word read and realizing that's such an intellectual process, I just completely went into my head. And I'm so grateful for that process in many ways because I understood the universe in a way that science allowed this beautiful lens of understanding like the Goldilocks zone for earth and the big bang and there's amazing concepts that allowed me to not feel bound to this distortion of belief that was presented to me through the biblical modern world and um I just felt so free in so many ways I felt like this ability to perceive the world however felt true and science became my new religion to many extents. I became hyper analytical. I became data driven and <laughs> very head centered, which gave me a sense of peace in a lot of ways, allowed me to sort of leave a lot of the shame and guilt that I had based on needing to repent and just allowed me to be human in a lot more ways. And yet a large part of me then went unnourished. You know, my heart closed in a lot of ways. I, I didn't have any faith in, in life itself. I was so, everything to me was just material from that point. And therefore trust mm, it would be factual, right? And evidence-based and belief and faith and words like that left my, my mind, left my world. And I gained the self-limiting belief that I'm not spiritual. I'm not spiritual. And because how I had perceived spirituality at that point was religious. And I very much had no intention of ever engaging in a religious structure again. What opened that world up for me again was small things. For example, I worked for a company called Lululemon. Uh, if you're North American, I'm sure you know it. It's made its way to this part of the world as well here in Australia. And it was small. It, I got a job running um, as assistant manager one of the stores, and it introduced me to the world of yoga. I had played in it before in a real power yoga way. I'd done a little bit of Bikram. But this company had been built around this yoga. Yes, it was Western yoga. And yes, it was capitalistic, consumeristic yoga. And yet it was still yoga in its small part. And so I began to play in those places where these Western framed still and often Caucasian taught, um, teachers were exploring how they understood some Buddhist concepts. And that just began to open me up to a little bit more softness. Not a lot, <laughs> but a little. And over years, I, I began to read books that were helping me understand the world from many viewpoints. Um, I guess spiritual space. I also kept reading really science-heavy books and trying to understand how I could marry these two belief sets. Maybe when I decided to leave my marriage, which was like two and a half years ago, I kind of started to try to connect with something greater again. I don't remember being like conscious, but I remember speaking out more, journaling more, talking out loud with this podcast, which in itself is an art of journaling and really just putting it out in the universe, um, coming across ideas of like positive 
mindset work over a few years ago and really starting to look at Dispenza's type work, like how do we rewire our brain from a scientific perspective? All of these mindset concepts, that's the focus here because I'm still very forefrontal lobe. I'm still very, I'm a thinker. I want to understand. And at the same time, I realize finally that there's going to be things in this human experience that we do not understand. Even science asks for one miracle. You know, the Big Bang, this process that still required a little bit of something. You know, there wasn't absolute nothing to make all of this. And I started to play again with belief, this idea of there's energy that we don't understand. We're more than just matter. We're matter and energy. And what is energy really? Do we fully understand it? How do we harness it? How do we direct it? Reading all these anecdotal cases of these spontaneous remissions in cancer that doctors and scientists can't fully explain. And really seeing energy as something magical, I guess, and not needing to understand it and being okay with things that look like magic now, the internet, our smartphones, the telephone, shooting people out into space, the speed at which we can travel now, all of these things that hundreds of years ago would have been black magic. Uh, we know are scientific now. What else is going to come into our world or has been in our world and is in our world that we just simply don't understand yet and we call uh, um, magic, we call miracle, or we just write off and don't even embrace and say it's untrue, say it's people's perceptions. Some of it, sure. And yet all these things that don't make sense couldn't have made sense in the past as anything else but made up or magic are now a part of our day-to-day lives and no one's questioning. No one's watching you talk to a piece of metal in your hand against the side of your face and telling you you're crazy because you think you're talking to someone on the other side of the world. You are. (laughs) And I'm not going to lie. There's so many technologies I don't know the intricacies of and I'm happy to not know because they work. They show up in my life every day and I utilize them. And so I challenge myself on that premise regularly and I bring it to this podcast as a big old question is what if there's things we don't fully understand aren't untrue, impossible, non-existent. Maybe we just don't have the science understanding for them yet. And I bring an invitation for discernment. Absolutely. Um, So yeah, I'm not saying don't be thoughtful, don't be considered, don't question. Definitely do those things. And for me, I've added back a little bit of faith, a little bit of trust. Going back to my sort of storyline about a year, well, one, when I started my first podcast, the amount of things that came into my life by just trusting that process was wild. The amount of learning that I got through the relationship that I was in at that time, although it's now shifted and essentially concluded, it's um, taught me so much. And I'm so grateful that I allowed those things in my life. 
that I just trusted the process of life and, and made a mess and evolved and expanded into the person I am now. I moved in with that partner at a time about a year ago and um, that brought me to a new city. That brought me to a new exploration of my career, which finally had me realize it's not where I'm called to be. It's not aligned with my belief sets, my values. I, I can't be out of integrity in the system. And also allowed me to reach out and begin studying a biomedical yoga and meditation, which taught me both the science and the woo. And I got to frame these Eastern and Western lenses over the human experience. And I became so clear that I tried to understand everything through the perception of matter only, and that I was ignoring the whole space of energy, you know, getting into the science of it with people like Joe Dispenza's work. There's something like 95% of our behavior is unconscious. Our conscious operating systems are like 5%. How much of myself do I not even understand? And that ability to recognize that we can create neurologically brand new ways of being in our brain. And it will require, get this, the thing that I completely left behind. It requires new thought processes, which are fueled by emotion, energy and motion, feeling. When I'd entered this science as my religion, I'd left out the feeling I'd invalidated so much of my emotive experience and also what my body was telling me. I, if I couldn't think it, I couldn't experience it. And yet so much of being human is in that energetic, emotional experience, that knowing, that embodiment. As I marry my body and my mind together again, my life shifts. And so that self-limiting belief that I'm not spiritual just got blown up. I thought, yeah, I, I am the scientist. I want to understand things and I can feel things. And I can't just allow completely quantitative data. The numbers aren't always going to line up because there's so much in the qualitative stuff. In the, I hope I got those two right this time. In the experiential, in the 100 out of 100,000 cases. And yeah, some of them are distorted and yeah, some of them are people's perceptions. And yes, some of them can't be explained and yet occurred. We have the placebo effect, which just shows us the power of the mind, the power of belief. And yet I'd lost all belief in so many things because I thought I wasn't spiritual. And now that's not true. I trust life. I trust that all of this time space stuff that I don't fully understand means it's it's already done. All that I want to create has already occurred and I just need to trust and I need to keep taking small imperfect steps and allow it in. So many of the things I've wanted in my life, I just haven't allowed in. I'm able to receive now. And this podcast is part of me trusting that and connecting and sharing with you. And I'm so grateful that I realized that I am spiritual. I don't pretend to know what is this thing, you know, whether we call it consciousness, whether we call it the divine, whether we call it the universe. I don't know what it is. I'm agnostic in that. I don't think humans will ever fully rightly know. And that's cool. 
I also think we're so fortunate to have the scientific process to teach us to understand so many things and keep allowing us to create technologies that weren't possible in the past and are now. We keep accessing further and further understanding to cultivate richness to the human experience, you know, technologies that allow us to connect and, and support ourselves in ways that were never even perceived as possible. Medicines and and things that can change our human experience and teach us that there's so much we can't fully understand. So yeah, if you're not spiritual, here's a possibility. Perhaps you, like me, want to understand what a gift, how fortunate you are to be discerning. And perhaps there's something that you maybe don't want to feel or haven't allowed yourself to feel in being human. Perhaps there's something in the human experience left for you when you go into your body, go into what you feel, go into your heart. Perhaps a statement so simple as, there may be things I don't yet know there may be things I might never understand. Perhaps adding that element of curiosity into your life and joy and pleasure in the unknown might allow you a possibility of whatever you want to call it. I don't know. Maybe spirituality is still not the right word for you. But really, spirituality is just about, for me, what's relating to not simply material. And I know deeply that we are more than just matter, even in that we are energy and how much we are energy, like 99%. And what is that? What's possible there really? So perhaps that scientific framing is enough for you to question what else you can create in your life with some belief, with a faith in whatever feels right for you. And perhaps you begin to get curious about the unknown and and even just looking at the natural world with, with a beauty and, and looking at its elegance and its, its magic. <laughs> I don't know how you want to frame it. Perhaps you allow yourself to explore life from a new lens. And I know for me, it changed my way of being and I'm so grateful. So Trusting the universe, trusting the greater consciousness, trusting whatever it is, this thing, this whole human experience came from. I am spiritual and I don't even really know what that means and I'm okay with it. And I'm grateful to be here in whatever this is. And I hope for you that you explore what this is and what that means. If you want to connect further, come find me on Instagram at This Isn't Me Podcast. I look forward to seeing you there. <laughs>